Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. Today I want to give us a very interesting conversation because I have been around people. I've seen days when it's almost so hard for many of our people and some come for counseling, some come for prayers and start sharing their heart of their troubles, of their frustrations and you've gone through a challenge over the years that just didn't seem to change and um, you lose peace because of that circumstance. You lose joy because of that circumstance. Maybe you're dealing with a marital issue. You're believing God every year and that issue has failed to what? To change. Maybe you're dealing with a business issue. You have been trying to do your business for so many years. Many promises. Things are on the door. People keep telling you, this week, I'm going to work on you. And then it becomes a year and a month. And it's going around in circles every year. And it's frustrating because you don't seem to see a breakthrough eventually. Maybe you're here and you have done everything in the book to be ready. You are so ready for marriage. Even when marriage sees you, it says your word. You're ready. But the guy is just not coming by. The woman is just not coming by. Some of you, you went to school, did your university degrees or PhDs or masters, and you thought that by equipping yourself that way, the job will come easy, and you believe God for this job, and it just didn't come through. Maybe you have an ailment in your body. You've been praying about this hypertension for years. You've believed, you've thrown away the medicine, got back onto it. You're in and out. You are believing God, and things are just not what? They're just not cutting. And then over time, out of prayer and exasperation, that desperacy, you start complaining in your heart, whining in your heart, losing peace. When will this change? When will this turn? And then you lose the joy of salvation. You are not as happy as you should. And rightly so, because these things are not changing. And um, some of you, even your parents don't help. Eh? They call you one day and they sit you down. Sit down, Marvin. By that look, you know what they're going to start saying. You've graduated for six years. They repeat it like you don't know. Why don't you have a job? Hmm? Oh, you're 38 and they tell you, Rhoda, all your friends are married. Like you go to a shop eh, and buy men. Yeah? What's wrong with you? Can I take you to a certain place and we sort things? What is happening? Why aren't you getting what? Married. And then you sulk and say, eh, whatever they've said. Are you following what I'm saying? And um, as though the devil would have it worse that day, as they're talking to you, eh, your obi who has made it passes in a cup. <laughs> and your prince says, ah, now you see Mark. Mark has made it. You're supposed to be there. Or perhaps you've been renting all your life. When you got married, you knew, oh, I'm going to rent for a few weeks, a few months. I believe, I believe. You had the first child, second, third, they have grown high school. You're struggling to get fees. 
and you're growing older and you're still what? Renting. God, how long? And then that discomfort, that loss of peace comes and hits you so bad. And some of you are chronic warriors. You wake up at two and then you look in the ceiling like this and think up to 4 a.m. or 5 a.m. And it's worse if you're single. You understand what I'm saying? And then they think up to 6 a.m. They didn't sleep the whole night. They were not praying. But they were what? Thinking. And then you wake up. Of course, you cannot be 100%. You cannot be as productive because something in you is what? Is breaking. Now, there are two responses to this. Or three. Okay? One, there is somebody who is going through these circumstances and partly or fully it is their fault okay for example you have read the bible and god has showed you the way to success you know what it means to be successful financially and one of which god has told you your first fruits ezekiel 44 verses 30 that the priest may cause the blessing to settle in your house the blessing the hebrew word is the blessing it is the blessing of god that maketh rich and addeth no sorrow so we're not talking about a blessing, we're talking about the blessing. Oh, you've learned about your tithes. So bring your tithes in the house of God, you know. God has told us to give. Not only that, the poor, the what, to the projects, the dreams of people. We interpret the provisions of God on our lives by giving. You understand? Now, somebody comes for counseling and says, Apostle, I am tired of poverty. And then they slap the table. Bah! And then you tell them, are you faithful in this little thing? Do you give God his tenth? Just that little thing. And I say, mm, sometimes I give, sometimes I don't give, but pray for me, I'll give, you see? And I'm looking at this dear person and I'm thinking, but the scripture is clear. The scripture is clear. Why don't you do what the scriptures requires and then hold God accountable to fulfill his word? He says, you test me. You see what I'm saying? So in part, even though I'm praying for that person, and I could pray for them and God will hear, and they can even open doors for you. God can actually bless you. But concerning wealth, there are about five graces that come with wealth. And one of them is the virtue to keep it. Because one thing to be wealthy, it's another to keep wealth. That's why you hear stories of, ha, that man used to have money. And then what happened? Or that woman used to have money. And then what happened? You need to know how to deal with wealth. You need wisdom to know how to keep it and how to increase it. Oh, yes, there's what the world teaches us. Oh, save what, invest. All of that is important. But there's also the spiritual because we know people who have saved and invested and sunk their investments, isn't it? Yeah, we have people who did all. They budgeted, they planned, and things are still not still what? Cutting. There's a mystery there. There's a secret of God in how to keep wealth, okay? So back to what I'm saying. But at least you do your part and know, okay, God, I'm holding this to say, I have given, I have done whatever you want in the book, but I'm not seeing the financial breakthrough that I want, that I need. That's the kind of believer that I'm talking to, all other principles constant. You see? And I'm talking money because it's the easiest thing, but going to the aspects of marriage, you have a nasty attitude, you are abusive, you beat your wife, and then you ask yourself why she cannot stay. You see what I'm saying? Stop beating her. Common sense. You understand what I'm saying? So maybe you're treating your partner in a very funny way and then they're starting to 
withdraw away from you and you're breaking every demon in the world, your spirit that is refusing my marriage. But your attitude is wrong. You don't know how to talk to your husband. You don't know how to talk to your wife. Are you following what I'm saying? So let's first deal with this because some of that we are responsible. And then, like I said, some of us will refuse to take responsibility of where we are short. And I'll get back to that a bit in the end. And then we start blaming everyone else. We start blaming everyone else. You see what I'm saying? So I'm not talking about that person because you also have your journey and I'll explain that to the end of what to do. But I'm talking about this person. They're doing whatever is right, but they don't seem to see the results that they're expecting in God. And they lose the peace of that. What are they supposed to do? You see? And some, because they fail that peace, they go to the second place where some are. And out of anxiety, out of restlessness, out of desperacy, they start to perform outside the will and purposes of truth. Because in the end, for whichever point, they must win. The Bible speaks of people whose glory is in their shame. The glory is in their shame. So whatever comes in their lives as glorious, it comes with a certain shame. Somebody does things out of the will and purposes of God and the way of the Spirit, and then they win, but there is no pattern of truth in their winning. And so you sort of blanket it. And they say, eh, how did you get this job, Robina? And you say, God. But the truth is, Robina, there was a married man in that organization that started sending you messages and you started playing along, Robina. Not real name. Hypothetical. You understand? You started playing along and then sort of deceived the man. You even probably became a mistress. At one point, his wife and his children start weeping over you. But on Thursday, you were ro pa 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 Year of divine manifestation of light. And then the man manipulates systems. And then they give you that job. And then in two weeks, Robina, you're hired. Two weeks, you pass with a Range Rover. Wah! And then your friend calls. Mm-hmm. Hello, Robina. Did I just see you? Is that you or anyone else? Who did you see? Did I see you in that Range Rover, Robina? <laughs> it's God. Robina. Robina. Praise God. And then, I need to meet you. You need to tell me one of these days. And then you take your girl out. You used to go in Bufundas, those cheap places. And then you take her out to this wonderful restaurant or probably hotel. Then, yeah, order what you want. Whatever you can manage. Mm -hmm. Tell me, how did things? Munange, Apostle prophesied to us. <laughs> Robina. What? Yeah. There's this fellowship. You even advertise me in the process. And then your friend comes to find the God that changes things in just two hours. But your glory comes with a shame. The Bible says because they mind earthly things. Maybe you're a student and you are trying to study and study and then you're trying, but things are just not what? 
working. You're studying and studying, but things are not working. And then you say, hmm, God do a miracle. You pray. And say, Father, I pray by some way, you'll do a miracle. This time I want to have excellent results. And as you're sitting in the class, doing your exam, a demon spirit in a student calls you. Then you look back like this. And then continue. Then you say. Then they unravel a piece of paper and do like. And all the answers. I mean all the answers are there. Then you look and say. And you get your pen. You know, it looks like. You see how the serpent beguiled if God doth know that from the day you take this thing, your eyes shall be open and you shall be like, and then something tells you, then you start rationalizing. Hmm. Apostle preached about synchronicity of the spirit. <laughs> what are the chances that this man here showing me this paper, he could have sat in the back. He could have sat in front. He could have even sat in another stream, but he's sitting here. He's sitting here. Joseph, hasn't God given you enough proof that this is the day that the Lord has made? Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. And then you remember the sermon. You shall not look for them. They shall look for you. And then you stretch forth your paper. And hey. Then you put it on the right. And then you're done. And then you go back home and your parents tell you, how were the exams? Ah, daddy, it was a runover. Are you sure, daddy? You wait. I studied. And then the results come back and you have 90 or 98 or 97. And you know Ugandan parents... <laughs> They lift you up. Sometimes you even find yourself in the newspapers. Best students. Whether you're 40 or 30 or 22, your parent carries you. And then they take a picture. And then you're in the air like that. You're in the top newspapers. And then they even do a party. And they're looking for money and you feel it. And then they come. They bring all your family to come and celebrate their wise what? Son. And then they give you the microphone. And then they say, now, let us all invite the graduate. And they clap for you. And then you say, firstly, I want to thank <laughs> the almighty God. Let me even worship him. for Just give me a second. Let me worship him. He never fails. He never fails. And this Christian mother stands up. <laughs> but your glory is in your word. Your shame. And it can become so bad that your heart can become callous by doing that to a point where you... There's a young man who became so wild to his parents and told them, me, daddy, mommy, I no longer get ashamed. I can only ashamed. So don't mess with me. He's a sitter, swala, and swaza, swaza. Don't play with me. So, imagine a child who no longer has shame. He says, I can do anything and shame you. I don't get ashamed anymore. It comes in the church even with us pastors. And then one day, you're stuck. And you don't know what to do. And then you... 
he used the power of the altar. And then you find the man of God saying, Parado. Ziga, zaga, zaga, zaga. There are 700 people here. And the Spirit shows me a number. 500. 700 people here with $500 each. I'm not, listen. If you have not had God, don't do this. I'm not forcing you. This is for mature people. Then you abuse everyone. This is for mature. I'm not with babies here. This is for mature people who love God. So you mean the woman who earns $100 a month and is giving 50 of that does not love God more than the guy who earns $100,000 a month but is able to give $500? Do we attach value to the money that is given or does God consider the circumstances of the giver? You see? That is why I don't believe in ministries that say, oh, we are rewarding the biggest givers. What do you mean? What about the widow of the might? She gave all she had. And the Bible says to God, she cast in more in that treasury than anybody else. There's a person earning $100 a month and they're giving probably 50 of that or 30 of that. And there's a person who is earning $100,000 a month and they're giving $1,000. That's 1%, isn't it? So how can you tell me that they're equal? You see what I'm saying? That is why in Fanero, <laughs> I don't do those things. I don't. <laughs> Rich or poor, when you come, whatever seat is there and they've availed you, sit. Whether you're the richest and you come late, you'll sit in the back. You understand what I'm saying? Then we have places where some people have built ministries, eh? the biggest givers are sitting in front. You have to treat them well because if they leave you, then man of God, you don't know God yet. But why are we doing that? Because we don't know what to do when we are stuck and the pressure of life is coming. So we improvise with means and ways that are outside divine purpose. And I know many of you listen to me. I might not give the example that fits your state, but at least the concept or story relates with something in your life that has found itself compromised. I have always prayed to God, please let me not have a glory. And when I look back, there is shame to it. Help me, God. Help me, God. I don't want to do something and look back and say, hmm, I did this, but... I got it the wrong way. No, God help us. Somebody shout hallelujah. Shout glory to God. So the question is for the third here. What is the third? Because I've told you some who blames circumstances and some who find their own means and way. But there's a middle place here that God requires of us. And it's somewhere in Philippians, the fourth chapter, the ninth verse. Paul tells the church, if you read the Amplified Version, he says, practice what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me and model your way of living on it. In other words, he's saying, I have set that example right. And you would do good to not only study, but receive what I have told. Learn of me. Take it as it is and start living your life the way you have seen me, Paul, live. And he continues to say, and the God of peace, of untroubled undisturbed well-being will be with you. He's saying there's a God of peace. If you learn these things that Paul is going to teach down here, if you receive these things like Paul is going to teach 
here. If you model your way of living to pattern your life according to the things Paul is teaching, he's saying that the God of peace, of untroubled and undisturbed well-being will be with you. So I'm trying to give you the secret. I'm trying to give you the root of all peace and joy in God. This is what we're talking about. To have peace and joy in God. He says, verses 10, I was made very happy in the Lord that now you have revived your interest in my welfare. After so long a time, you were indeed thinking of me, but you had no opportunity to show it. He's saying, I'm happy that you've brought back the conversation of giving to me. I tell people that there are four churches of four kinds of givers in the world. And the churches in Pauline letters will tell you which kind of giver there is. Firstly, there is the Thessalonica giver. And that is depicted in the way the church in Thessalonia used to give. And Paul says, as a mother nurses her children, I nursed you, oh my dear Thessalonians or Thessalonica people. What is that nursing? What is the characteristic of babies? Babies are not givers, they are takers. You understand what I'm saying? So when you are dealing with a Thessalonian church or a Thessalonian person, they're always receiving and receiving and receiving and receiving and receiving and receiving and receiving, but they're never givers. They're always taking and taking and taking and taking. And that's poisonous in marriages. That's poisonous in work. That's poisonous in ministry. It's poisonous everywhere. When you're a taker, it means you have not matured. It's part of maturity. doesn't matter how old you are. Do you know I know parents who cannot even buy their children a shoe? They don't think about anybody in the world except themselves. Nobody. You find a husband who will never even ask, how much does my wife spend on hair? They will never ask themselves, what's the shoe size of my wife? They're always taking. You find a wife as well who is like that. They don't care about anything. Oh, it's more in boys, but even in the women, I've seen it too. Some people are so selfish. They never think beyond themselves. When they're at their workplace, they want to take. When they're in the house of God, they want to take. In the family, they want to take. They want to take from everybody. But they cannot give. That's what Thessalonia was. And when you are around a Thessalonica person, you have to be, learn to be independent. If your wife and you have a husband who does not provide, woman, ask for your blessing and tell God eh, up there. There must be a blessing for me. Send it and help me be independent from his provisions. It's the only way. Because you'll think, or you'll struggle every time you're quarreling. Oh, you don't look after your children. What? You have God too. Seek God. He'll provide for your children. Listen, I know single mothers in this ministry who live way better than married women. They educate their children better, they sleep well, they live well, they drive well, and they are single mothers. That's a hard one, eh? I know. You ask for your part and say, God, provide for me. If you are a pastor and you're dealing with the Thessalonica church, don't even talk about money. Don't. And if you're dealing with Thessalonica, the only way you can get anything from them is manipulating them. Like we used to manipulate babies. If they have a toy in their hand, you have to find out, ha, 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 divert, hoo, hoo, take it out, ah, back. <laughs> I know a guy who tricked his little young brother. And then he told his brother, eh, this guy is so generous. You know, he can give me some of his biscuit. 
and the little boy gave. Ah, this guy is so generous. Do you know he can add me? <laughs> this one is the king. I can't believe he's going to give me another piece. He kept manipulating the young kid and the biscuit was over. And eventually it sank in this little guy that they have dropped him. <laughs> ah! <laughs> what has happened? He has eaten my biscuit. He has eaten it? Yes. He has eaten some of it. So when you're dealing with babes, you have to what? To manipulate them. That is why there are churches. Eh? <laughs> Whichever way the money comes, they'll have to create a way. Because you're dealing with what? Macedonians. The problem with Macedonians is this. Because they're not giving from their heart, even they are not blessed. Because the Bible says in Corinthians, the heart must be made up in the giving, isn't it? So the problem with that is, they will give, but they're not giving from the heart. And because they're not giving from the heart, they'll not have a harvest. That's why there are some ministries where people give, but they don't see. Hmm? Mm, praise God. And then you have the Corinthian church. They're not like the Thessalonian church. They're teachable and they want to give. So when you go in the book of Corinthians, it's teaching them how to give. They just want to learn. They want to, but they just want to. They just don't know how to. Then you have the Philippian church. That one is generous. This is the one Paul is talking to. That's why it's in Philippians that he tells them, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. In Christ, it's with the Philippians. And then at Thessalonica, God sit and they say, my God shall supply. No, he's telling them who have learned to give that his God will supply. That blessing is not for a church in Thessalonica. It's not for a Thessalonica believer. You can claim it, but it's not for you. Following? And then you have Macedonia. That's the biggest giver. And then with Macedonia, the Bible says even in their poverty, it abounded to their liberality. And then they gave way beyond. And not only did they give, but they gave themselves to God and unto the men of God for the sake of the kingdom, according to the will of God. That means they not only are givers in the church, but they find something to do to serve in the church. That's a very mature Christian. And I can tell you something. The biggest percentage of the members in Fanero are between Philippian and Macedonia. I tell you. Have you ever heard us training people to give? No. Have you ever heard me tell people, now you, God will fire you? No. Why? Because I tell you the truth. You people give more every month without strain, without manipulation, without anything. Why? Because we have taught right. I've realized pastors who are here, if you teach people right, you'll not need to manipulate them. And then it's not that they don't want to give, but some of them have stayed Thessalonica because even our teaching is Thessalonica. So it's our fault that they're not growing. Instead of teaching them or giving to them in the time when their babes give to them, and Paul had to work with his hands. But you find a pastor with a Thessalonica church and he doesn't want to work. So that means he's going to manipulate them. And that is abuse. They'll stay Thessalonica. That I speak as an apostle. You understand what I'm saying? So, Philippe wanted to give. But sometimes they were a bit lazy. But they were givers. So Paul is saying, oh, I'm glad that you have revived your interest in what? in giving to my welfare after so long a time because I knew it was in your heart you were thinking about it but perhaps there were hindrances of how you were going to what? give to me but the willingness was there next line very important and it says 
not that I imply that I was in any personal want. That is deep. Paul is not saying that he's talking to the church celebrating their revival to give because he was a poor man. He's saying, I did not have a want even when Philippe did not provide. I did not have a need even when Macedonia did not provide. I did not have a need even when Thessalonica would not provide. I did not have a need even when Corinth did not provide. I'm not doing it because that's the only way I'll pay fees for my children or build myself a house. And you understand what I'm saying? He says, not that I am implying that I was in any personal want. He says, for I have learned how to be content satisfied to the point where I'm not disturbed or disquieted in whatever state I am. That is deep. He's saying I'm not disquieted. I'm not out of order. I'm not disturbed. That money did not come, you know it came in. I'm free. Somebody shout hallelujah. He has learned. And that's what I want to teach you tonight. The mystery here is contentment and he continues to say that I know how to be a best and live humbly in straightened circumstances. That means I know how not to have anything and be okay. And he says, and I also know how to enjoy plenty and live in abundance. Now let me explain that. If you study the root there, Hebrew, he's not saying that we should accept poverty and lack. No, no, that's not what he's saying. He says, I know how to be poor. One, that I know how to survive in the worst circumstances. You understand? If you study the Greek, he also means, I know how to give it all away and still be okay. That's what he means. So Paul is not talking about the believer who does not know how to be wealthy. That's not what he's talking about. That's why he says, I've also learned how to be in abundance, how to enjoy plenty. In the Greek there, I know how to attract wealth. So he's not a victim in this. He's not saying, oh, I'm a victim in this. Therefore, when money is not available, I don't know what to do. No, 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 no. He's saying that even when I don't have, I know how to get money. That's what he's saying. That's what he means. Some people misquote that to say that it's okay to be what? Poor. That's not what Paul means. Paul means if I give it all away, if I find myself in a circumstance where I don't have it all or anything, I'll still be fine. But I know also how to be wealthy or how to attract abundance. Above also, I know how to keep abundance. I know how to control myself when I have money. Ho, ho, ho. Some of you are just humble because you don't have money yet. The day you get it, we are in trouble. Father Jesus, help us from some Christians. Because the day you, oh, yo, 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 yo. The day you get money, the world will be in trouble. I had a friend who even warned me once and told me the day I ever get money, this nation will understand me. Oh, what is he planning to do? I don't have a clue, but he has promised. I'm curious. I want to see when he gets money, what will he become? But he told me, would it, the day I get money? I don't know what he's keeping in his heart. So some of you, you're humble because the day God ever elevates you, everybody's in trouble. Even your relatives are going to have to forget you. But that is not so. That should not be so. Somebody shout hallelujah. But he says that I have learned to be provided, to be 
in and in all circumstances, the secret of facing every situation, whether well-fed or going hungry, having a sufficiency and enough to spare or going without and being in one. He says, I have strength for all things in Christ who empowers me. And he says, I'm ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infuses inner strength into me. He says, I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. That is deep. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. Somebody say it. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. That means that what I see and have been revealed to me in Christ is enough to comfort me even when things are not yet working right. If you see a man compromise and break beyond the borders of the liberty that Christ has given us to walking out of the will and purpose of God because they are desperate, the pressures of life have hit them. That man or woman has not yet had a full revelation of Christ. But when you understand Christ, there is a sufficiency that only you can find in him. Are you hearing me? And when that sufficiency hits you, it doesn't matter whether you're driving a car or you came on a border border. It does not matter whether you have a child or you don't have a child yet. It does not matter whether you have a wife yet or not. It doesn't matter whether you have a husband or not. It doesn't matter whether you have a job yet or you don't have a job yet. It doesn't matter whether you have a house to leave or you're still renting. It does not matter. There is that peace that passes all understanding that comes in your life and guards it in Christ Jesus and refuses you to lose it not because things are not shaky but because there's this thing telling you eventually I will make it how I do not know but I have a peace in me to enjoy my life of salvation and the journey knowing very well that he's the author and finisher of my faith that he began a good work in me and he shall see to accomplishment to the day of Christ do not rejoice over me my enemy for when I shall rise it's not if it's not how it's not might I know that one day one day it might take two years it might take three years it might take four years, but I will go on that altar. I will get married. I will have a child. I will build ministry. I will succeed. I will increase. It will eventually work. But I will work up one day with a body that is healthy and whole. Because I know who began this work in my life. Ladies and gentlemen, that is contentment. It gives us strength on that journey. It gives us a peace on that journey. It reconciles us. To God and keeps us sober when things are crazy because honestly you're 43 and you have three names of your children and God told you all of those names you're 46 and you still remember them you still remember them and then you look at your mother Sarah and she pushed at night and you say I still have time I tell people, even when we started Fanero, even when the ministry had really grown, we are still broken in two places that some of you least expect. A young man recently phoned me at 2 a.m. Some time ago, praying for people. 
in Mulago Hospital, bed to bed. He was shocked to find Apostle Grace praying for people at 2 a.m. Because I didn't want to go there during that. I don't want them to. I'm not looking for the praise of men. But how many men of God can do that? August, I'm on the streets. Because I know how to stand on the biggest stage. And I know how to stand on the streets. And preach the gospel. I have all sufficiency. It doesn't take anything away from me. I told people one time we went into areas, deep areas in Mbale, Bukonde, deep there. You walk in that place and ask, everyone is a Muslim. The girls are getting married at 13. 14, they have their first children walking like this. And then you walk six hours to go and preach. Six hours back. And you're going six hours to meet a certain lady in a mountain to preach the gospel to her because God has told you, go there. And it didn't take away anything. I had a friend who called his fellow friend to go to preach the gospel up country. And the guy said, I can't waste anointing. I call those ones baskets. <laughs> because how? What do you mean? What do you mean? I still fly and go into different parts of the world. A few years ago, even when Fanero was big, I was in Bakelalan, one of the deepest villages in Malaysia. Barrio! You even look for network. You jump, you know, wells and their airports have chickens passing through and those old people feed you and you're talking to people who have not even left civilization. Some of them cannot even access internet. And you're there, you're taking low roads of 40 kilometers, 50, 60 kilometers, deep in the villages you want to preach. And you come back on a Thursday and preach and tell them I'm from Malaysia. And they don't even know where you're coming from. But we are in the deepest places and nobody's paying us. We're actually spending our money to go there. Because God has told you, I know that I've anointed you for this, but I want you in that village. That's why I want you. And it is okay because it doesn't take the anointing off me. That's what makes me Grace Lubega. And I thank God for that. Somebody shout hallelujah. I know how to preach in the worst places. I have walked with children in these markets. These markets you see across, we have walked in them. Taxi park. We got our Bibles and started preaching through that whole park. And some of you don't even have a testimony in the gospel. And you're even too proud to carry a Bible. What's wrong with you? Basket. You understand what I'm saying? That means that you are not confident in who you are. Oh, oh, get a boldness and understand. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God unto salvation. To the Jew and to the Gentile. Yeah. Tell him, yes, I'm a corporate, but I love Jesus. When it comes to God, I can do anything. Why? Because this job does not suffice. This blessing that I have is not sufficient. It cannot be compared. Oh, I saw some of you on the streets and some of you are preaching and your OGs were like, did I just see you on the road? Yes, sir. Hallelujah. And you're still a business consultant. You're still a manager. You're still a corporate. You are still a banker. You're still an insurer. Why? Because the bank is not your sufficiency. That job and project is not your sufficiency. You have found sufficiency in God. It is not your security. There is nothing to be insecure about the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Come on, wake up and understand. Somebody shout hallelujah. Shout glory to God. So, some of you might see us bold. It is because those jobs don't give us positions. 
No. They don't. The Lord, the way he appeared to me, the way I have seen Jesus, I understood why he would sit with the drunkards and the gluttons. I was in India with Bishop recently. We did quite a great job. And you have people on all spectrum from the richest to the poorest. And they are all alike. Why? Because you know, you know who Jesus is. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. If a man cannot represent Jesus because they have a big job, that man or woman is still insecure. Their job is their security. Their position is their security. Their marriage is their security. Their finances are their security. No, 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 no. Lose it all for Jesus. You might not be on the street like me, and that's okay. But when occasion desires for you to stand as a Christian, tell them I am born again, filled by the Spirit of God. I'm not going to do this. That's who I am. That's just me. And there's no other ways. No compromise. Why? Because I am content. It's okay if you don't add me a little extra money. I am content. It's okay if you don't promote me because you want my body. I am content. It's okay if you don't advantage me because I'm not willing to take that bribe. I am content in Jesus Christ. He has given me more than money could ever buy. When you understand that, you are free. One time somebody approached me when I was banking. And they wanted me to channel some hundreds of millions to a certain account. And the way it was set, I had the ability to do it and land other people in trouble except me because I had passwords of other individuals. So I put an inputter and authorizer and somehow it's not. This guy took me over coffee in the hotel and I told him, look at my eyes as I tell you this. And the man looked at me. I told him, I am born again. And greater is he who is in me than he which is in the world. No amount of money will ever sell my God. And I walked off that table and left. Now in retrospect, I look back and see what God has given me. And I am thinking, wow. Let me tell you, God will always have way better than you're able to compromise for. Whether man, money, what, God will deal, contract, even if it's millions of dollars, I don't care how much it is, God will always have more than you are able to compromise for. Because he has more than Satan can give. If you believe it, shout amen. I said he has more than Satan can give. Or will ever give you. That's the church we want to see. Imagine if that person sits in the organizations, our governments, our government is so corrupt. It is so corrupt. It is stinking. It is so bad. It is so bad. Our governments. And some of the people who are doing that, asking for those bribes, are Christian, born again, tongue speaking. No. Be the difference. Become the difference. Tell them I won't sell God. I cannot sell God. Oh, Apostle, I will lose my job. Lose it if you have to. Because no job can ever pay you more than God is able to give. And the day you understand that, you are truly free. Somebody shout hallelujah.
Shout glory to God. The Bible says in Timothy chapter 6, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6, he says, Godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness with contentment is great gain. He says, For we brought nothing in this world, and we will go with nothing in this world. For if you have food on your table and raiment, let it content you. And I always tell my pastors, I told them, for me, if I can have clothes on my body and food to eat, I'm content. Because those two things are not in the realm of seed, by the way, and harvest. That's why when he's talking to the church, he asks them, look at the birds in the air. Do they sow? Don't they eat? They eat. That is in the realm of God's responsibility over all living things. Whether you're a giver or not, God was meant to feed you. He says he gives rain and food to the heathen. He says, look at the flowers in the field. None of the clothes Solomon had or his array matches their beauty. And yet some of them, he says, you will never see with your eyes. You will never see them. Some of the most beautiful flowers in the world, you probably will live a life and die without knowing what they were. Sometimes I saw Twitch on uh, Geographic Channel and what, just to see beauty and say, hey, even that flower exists. Wow, God, you're amazing. You see what I'm saying? And thank God they have cameras to show us that. But if some people have lived in a time where those cameras won, and God beautifies a flower that will never be seen. When you understand that, sometimes you even wake up and dress smartly, even when you're not going anywhere. Do you understand what I'm saying? You'll just wake up in your house and put on a suit and a tie. And they ask you, are you going? Nowhere. Just dressing for God. Somebody shout hallelujah. Shout glory to God. Psalms 29, verses 2. Message version. Are you ready? Let's read. Uh-huh. One, two, let's go. In our, before the glory, in our, before God's visible power, stand at attention, dress your best honor God some of you you put on t-shirts that are like this and you say he looks in the inside basket no he looks on the outside also you iron your clothes and dress right just for Jesus you look at yourself in the mirror and say Jesus this is for you glory to God but some of you, you dress the way you want you understand you dress the way you want Today I've rebuked you in Jesus' name. Just be smart for God. Even when you're just going to the shop. Some of you, you're going to the shop and you just put on the way you want. No, I was just going to the shop. Even when you're going to the shop. Dress your best to honor him. Some of our girls put on things. And we find ourselves speaking in tongues. Mm -mm. some things are not honorable you can't come on please you can't do this you can't you can't leave that for the world dress for God dress for God somebody shout hallelujah so godliness he says once you have food and clothes you have enough Everything that comes after that is just purpose. These accessories, clothes, those are personal. God is not interested. The little he cares whether you're putting on Louis Vuitton or you're putting on a Changui from China. 
You understand what I'm saying? And members of Fenero, stay away from second-hand clothes. Leave them from the others, not you. Have faith to put on a shirt and say, first hand. Somebody say, hallelujah. I know that if this meets uh, an unstable Christian, they might say, now look, what if they can't afford? What? What? A Muslim boy in Saudi Arabia can afford it and I can't? I have a relationship with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I can't. You're the one with the problem. Somebody shout hallelujah. So the Greek word for contentment is otakeia. Why is it important? Otakeia is translated as a perfect condition of life in which no aid or support is needed, even if it's apparently there in need. You understand? In want. Let me explain it. No support or aid is needed. You are in a perfect condition regardless of whether there is genuine or real lack or not. In other words, this is what I mean to say. I mean to say that, for example, you need rent. And uh, the landlord says, we're going to chase you out. Genuinely, there's a need for rent. But if you can hold your peace and keep your joy and have a stable and perfect heart. And probably somebody promises you until you call me Thursday. And on Thursday, they refuse to answer your calls. Or they even switch off. Then you call them Friday. And some of you, you call 10 calls, missed calls, 13, 20, 30. If you can call someone 30 times because they promised you, you have a problem. You call them once, they don't answer. Twice, you don't answer. Thrice, you stop calling. Then they tell you, but you didn't call me. You tell them, no. I probably could have had the need but I have God. Yeah, some of you, you become so desperate. You even look funny. And then this person is providing for you looks like they're your God. Far from you. If they told you, call me Thursday, you call them once, twice, thrice, they don't answer your call, don't call them again. Look to God. The author and finisher of your faith. That's contentment. That's contentment. And the Bible says in Psalms chapter 62 verses 5, it says, My soul wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is from him. Wait only. That is a man who has understood God. To say, if he should use my uncle, he has used my uncle. But not because my uncle had pity over me. Come on, understand me. If they help you, they are only helping you because God led them. If it's not from God, it doesn't matter what time it comes. Let them keep it. Hey! Yeah. Do you understand what I just said? Yeah. If it is not from God, you keep it. If it is going to come with conditions, I'm giving you, but I want, no, keep it. Oh, let me tell you, I understood this in university. And I remember standing in my hostel and I told God, I will never beg. No man here can serve ever begged. I don't beg. I don't beg. Even if it's ministry, I tell you we have a need. You give, it's okay. You don't. I look to God. You understand what I'm saying? I don't beg. I learned not to beg whether money was there or not. I learned not to beg. I just tell myself the sufficiency of Christ. The sufficiency 
of Christ. Even if it hurts, I will not beg. Because my soul waits on God. And sometimes the waiting means that your friend might pass in a car whoop, and you're walking on the road coming to Fanero and it's okay, it's okay. Wave at them and say congratulations, I am coming. Somebody shout hallelujah. They invite you and they say we have housewarming, God gave us a house and perhaps you're even still struggling with rent and you know some of you, your problem right there, you get angry and you become jealous. How can my young sister build how can my young brother get married when I'm not yet married? You have not yet understood God. The problem is not your young brother. And then you even refuse to turn up because they built. You refuse to go to their wedding. You frustrate their wedding because she's gotten married before you. You understand what I'm saying? No. When she gets married, be the biggest dancer. <laughs> You're telling the devil whether she goes first or last. started ministry before us many years before us but when you start with God who has understood what I just said yeah some people might say we are celebrating uh, 50 years in marriage it's okay it's okay it's okay when I get married my one year with Nicolette hey, two years with my wife hey they can be better than all your 30 years combined somebody shout hallelujah God is not limited with time space or matter no he can satisfy you even in your old age and you still bring forth fruit in your old age hey glory to God it doesn't matter who went first it matters that I began it with God and that I finished it with God there are people who went I did 40 years ago and they are crying God take me out kill him tomorrow and God is just making the guy healthier and some of us still want to go back home early <laughs> who is happier so it's okay let them build whatever they are building when you build yes we've also had our inconveniences the ministry has grown quicker you are renting these places you're inconvenienced sometimes you're sitting with people you don't even want to sit next to it is hot I have prayed for God to keep you healthy and to keep you patient through this but all two men I close my eyes and I'm saying it's okay whether it takes two one year three years one day I see a building building one day whereby when you tell people people upstairs they can't even see you you need a big screen glory to God hallelujah and with this hope it rains we come happy when it shines we come happy because we know a time is going to come where this will change but while we are still in the process we don't lose our peace we don't lose our joy Keep your brick and mortar. Keep your brick and mortar. I still have Jesus. Whether I put it on an open ground, they will come. Whether it rains and shines on them, they will still come. Whether your building has air condition and mine doesn't, they will still come to a hot 
building whether yours has carpets and tiles and i don't have any that's okay they still want to be with me why because god is here i am content and the time will come and you'll hear we have laid the foundation hallelujah and then the thing will start going up and people will be driving by and they're like what is that and they'll be telling them it's Fanero. it's Fanero. one man said big ships stand slowly we are not late we are just big we are not slow we are just big we bought the first property after paying it off Fanero was bigger than it what were we to do build there i told the cfo i told ceo i told them no let's believe for bigger somebody shout hallelujah and our expectation and let me tell this to you and it's not pride whether you give or you don't give god will build you understand he will so a person should never lose peace that oh you know they are calling us no 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 that's why paul later says it's noble and right for you it's not his necessity it's noble and right if you do it good if you don't we will understand you we'll still feed you never say i'm not going to church because they'll ask me for money no not here you understand what i'm saying our eyes are where and he has not ashamed us you guys have done a lot somebody shout hallelujah he says he's my only rock and salvation he's my defense i shall not be moved that's the attitude god wants you to keep but also god wants you to take responsibility in understanding how he functions because i've been around people like i said in the beginning who are floating all the principles of natural law and spiritual law you find a young man telling you you know i'm not going to go to class i'm not going to read i'm not going to write notes but when i get into the exams the holy spirit will give me all that i need to write you have a demon spirit <laughs> and it needs to be cast out you understand what i'm saying listen we believe god for success but we obey the laws you read you read you study it's like saying i'm not going to read the bible i'm not going to pray i'm not going to fast I'm just going to wait for God to give me revelation for you every Sunday and every Thursday. I'll be joking. I'll be joking. Because the principle is simple. Seed harvest. You reap what you sow. If you're not investing time in your education, how do you expect to succeed? Or at least give God some to work with. You understand what I'm saying? I'm talking to you girls who don't do anything on yourself to self-improve. But every time they say this year, improve yourself walk like a married woman talk like a married woman act like a married woman dress like a married woman start acting it some of you you look like athletes who are who are from a motor rally every day and you're raising your hands jesus no 
Some of you need to help yourselves. Seriously, let's talk about it. I know it angers, but let's talk about it. You don't know how to cook. And you're telling God, the money you should give me should be okay with me not cooking. How many men are okay with a woman who can't cook? Put up your hands. Ah, okay. <laughs> no further questions. You understand what I'm saying? At least in Africa, your wife should know how to make an egg. She wake up in the morning and she can't even make an egg. No, learn to cook. Somebody shout hallelujah. Learn to clean. Learn hygiene. Personal hygiene. Personal. Fire. <laughs> Jesus. Hallelujah. Keep praying. Keep praying. Somebody shout hallelujah. No. If the axe is going to cut, what do you do? You sharpen it. It's called discipline. It's called character. Somebody shout hallelujah. If you read Numbers 11, you read a story of the children of Israel. They've come from Egypt and they're on their way to the promised land. And then a story is given. One day the mixed multitudes star the children of Israel to rebel against Moses. They fell a lasting. And what were they saying? The Bible says they even wept. Why? We miss the watermelons, the cucumber. The garlic, I love how the message version says it. He says, we ate fish in Egypt. Listen to them. They are crying. Imagine all people crying. We ate fish in Egypt. Are you following? And got it free to say nothing of the cucumbers and melons. The licks and onions and garlics. And then a guy even falls back and says, ah. And now every day. We're eating manna, 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 manna. Nothing is tasting good out here. All we get is manna, manna. Morning, evening, morning, evening, morning, evening. We're tired of this. But the Bible says, the group that stars the children of Israel into that were mixed multitudes. People who were not under covenant, no promise, but they infiltrated the ranks as Israel was leaving Egypt. That means people who think like that are not really of us. They're just among us, but they're not really of us. Our seed can't think like that. God is trying to take them out of bondage to become a sovereign nation. And they're still in the glory of food that they are willing to celebrate and go back into bondage and eat meat because they have zeroed liberty and victory and sovereignty and freedom to food. That's why I still have a problem with Christians who still testify about food. I still do. There were weeks I wouldn't eat. <laughs> but now, I look at food. Some of us fast for eight months, nine months, I yeah. I sometimes fast for 10 or 11 months, I yeah. And for you, you're still testifying about food. Eh? Christians, you still want food. Your glory is still in meat. The Bible says their God is their belly. Their God is their belly. Their God is their belly. If they can eat a good chicken, they'll say, oh, God is good. <laughs> Listen, even non-believers, even non-believers eat fish and meat. Our liberty should not be in food. 
God was trying to tell Israel, you're becoming a nation. Think like a nation. Think like a people. You've been building buildings for Egyptians. You've been planting food for them. And you've been slaves. They've been handing over stuff to you like dogs. You're going to a land flowing with milk and honey. Can't you be patient? Oh, wait a minute. Why even complain when the problem is you? that you have delayed in the wilderness. The Bible says, Moses said it. Moses said it. He said that God led them not into the way of the Philistines, even though he was shorter. For he said, least peradventure, they might see war and return back to Egypt. They had a spirit of fear. And God knew that if they faced the Philistines, because of fear, not because they were weak, because of fear, not because the God of covenant would not give them glory, but because of fear, they would turn back and fear would take them back to Egypt. And let me show you the power of fear. It took a lot of power to separate the sea. But God said they would fear enough to go to Egypt, even without God's aid. Who has understood what I just said? They were crying, God, the Egyptians are going to kill us. Moses has to part the sea for them to walk through. But God said, the spirit of fear at work on these Israelites, these Jews, it was enough for them to return back to Egypt. How? We don't know. How fear can do more than faith can is a mystery. Who has understood what I just said? And if you calculate from that route of the river through the Philistine to the promised land, geographical people tell you it should take only 12 days. That means Israel was supposed to be in the wilderness for only 12 days and what was supposed to be 12 days became 40 years and here they are complaining that they're eating manna eh are you learning some so the question should actually be go back to god and ask him if i am tired of manna maybe it means i was not supposed to eat it this long what am i missing but then you complain and tell us no take us back to bondage so we can eat meat and cucumber and watermelon and garlic and leeks and chips and chicken take me back to the days when George used to take me I know I'm the third woman but at least I was eating chicken I know I'm the fourth but at least I was drinking a Fanta a cold Fanta Now he's out of my life. And I'm looking for water. Oh, and then she compromises and goes back to Egypt and judges God. If you're a good God, why aren't you feeding me? Uh -huh. Seriously? Seriously? God is trying to tell the Jews here, I'm giving you manna not because I want to feed this for you for 40 years. But that's all I can give you because of what is at work in your life. Sometimes you need to go back to God and ask him, maybe I'm struggling in this issue and it does not leave because I'm missing something. What am I missing? But even while I'm still on the process of learning what I'm missing, I must have my peace and joy, even as you're working with me, contentment. I should not be anxious to go out of the ambits of your law because I need to find an answer. I can still keep waiting on you. Are you following what I'm saying? And some of you just need to ask those questions and God will answer.
but you've not asked. You're just commanding. Man, fire, car, house, 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 wife. Wife. I said, wife. And then instead of wife, <laughs> you see what I'm saying? And you're asking yourself why the strangest men are coming. Father, husband. And then one time a lady sent me a message and told me, Apostle, only married men, only. No single man comes to me. The moment they marry, they now want me. I told her, you ask God, why a married man looks at you and a single man looks away? Sounds wrong. Do you understand what I'm saying? I tell you girls, especially my sisters here, listen to me. I don't think you're not married because you cannot get a man. I think you're not married because you want the right man, isn't it? Oh my God, they are hissing at you every day. <laughs> then you look at the chief fool and say, not my type. That means there is value in you. Something is telling you, I deserve better. Thank you. That's contentment. That's contentment. Otherwise, don't be mistaken. There are many, one married, two women married husbands who still want more girls. And they want them like you, a bit born again or born again. They want exactly like you because they marry stability. You understand what I'm saying? So don't think that everyone who is not married cannot get married. No. They're just waiting on God. But now I'm trying to put some strings in your steps to tell you, wait with peace. Wait with joy. Yes. You've not yet bought this. Wait, but with peace. Be content where you are. Are you hearing me? No man will come with a million dollars and think they can take you. No. Come with 20. You're wasting time. I'm not for sale. But some of you, they just give you a second-hand Mercedes and you're gone. They just give you a Toyota. And you're gone. You say, Apostle, goodbye, wa. <laughs> goodbye, Apostle. Goodbye, Fanero. Goodbye, church. I made up my mind to go that way for the rest of my life. Somebody said hallelujah. Be content and wait on God. Just be content and wait on God. For what's not yet working, enjoy your journey. It's okay if your cloth is old. I am it. And tell God here I'm okay. My bag is torn but I'm going to make it look at its best and I'll come to church. Are you hearing me? I can't go to church because I have nothing to wear. No, leave that for kids. Not a mature Christian. You're proud with what you have. You remove your phone and people look at it and even run away. And you say, it's okay. The time will come when you run away because it's expensive. And you are content. That is the Christian I'm waiting for. Yeah. I told you of the guy I was driving on Zambia side, and the guy had a very little small old car. Very little small old car. Very little small old car. It was one of those little Toyota Corsa cars. Very small, tiny, shaking, old. And on the sticker behind, the guy said, don't laugh. I have a range at home. I said, that's... <laughs> he said, don't laugh. I have a range at home. I said, that's a man who is content. Somebody shout hallelujah. So my prayer for you, now, there are many ways and many forms in which 
we lose our peace, become anxious, and lose our place of reason and counsel. Because some things are not working faster. They're not wrapping out quicker than we expect them. But as for the word that you have heard today, my heart's prayer for you in the mighty name of Jesus is that may God give you peace and joy in the journey as he prepares you for the greatness that is so evidently coming your way. And in a few weeks, a few months, a few years, it will come out as you want it to come out. Even bigger than you expect it to come out. But when it comes out, that it will come out with a glory that carries no shame. For in the process you denied not your Lord, neither introduced him less to make another man happy. I pray that may God keep your heart in patience. May God instruct you on how to carry this as you wait on him. And I believe in the mighty name of Jesus Christ that when it comes out eventually, you will have a sermon. Men will look at you and learn of the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And I pray for those of you listening to me, you've been waiting for something, maybe marriage, maybe business, maybe ministry. You're waiting, you've been waiting and you're patiently waiting and you have tried in whatever you can in your own ways to do what's right, but you've not yet seen. I feel the grace and power of God that is going to quicken these things for you, that is answering. And God says, yes, I know you've waited, but it's going to happen. Just hold on for a few weeks, a few more days. Something is coming. But as you wait on me, saith the Lord, carry your peace, carry your joy with you, because I began this good work in you, and I'll see to accomplishment to the day of Christ. Somebody has been struggling with a disease. It has failed to leave your body. I decree and I declare his grace is available for you, but you will not end this way. And that sooner or later, healing is come. Deliverance is come. Breakthrough is come. Your marriage is restored. Your child will leave those drugs and come back home. But while you're in that process, may God give you the peace and contentment to trust in his sufficiency. Your husband is still giving you trouble. Your wife is still crazy. But I pray that may God give you the peace and joy for you to withstand the storm while God aligns them. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed and believed. Give the Lord a mighty hand clap of praise. Now, if you have never given your life to Christ, let me give you an opportunity to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. This is the hour. This is the time. This is the day. Christ wants to get your heart. Allow him into your life and he's going to change you forever. Please repeat these words after me. Just say these words as I say them. Father, I thank you for the gift of Jesus. Today, I have believed in my heart and I confess with my mouth that Jesus died for my sins and was raised for my glory. I receive you, Lord, as my personal Lord and Savior. Amen. You're born again. The message you have just heard was brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number 41 466 
1-800-242-4291 or email us at funerocompala at gmail.com. You can also find us on the web at www.funero.org or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at Uma Multipurpose Hall from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. You can also catch the live stream at livestream.com slash Fenero. Fenero. Make manifest.